Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Ball and Breakfast podcast with Wayne. I'm Patrick uh, coming to you for week 11 of NFL football. Man, we're more than halfway through the season. It has definitely flown by. Um, we're going to cover just five games. Uh, you know, going forward, we're going to make this model a lot more concise, impactful, give you a little bit more depth on each game. Um, if you're with us, you know, give us a subscribe on YouTube. Um, you know, obviously like after you're done, comment on what you've heard. Uh, you can do the same on, um, you know, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts as well. Subscribe there. And then we're also on Instagram at Ball and Breakfast. Uh, we'd also like to pitch uh, Sharp's app who came to us uh, basically, you know, wanting to pitch that they're a new um, sports betting uh, social media site that's kind of linking up, um, you know, the sports betting world and kind of allowing people to, you know, meet each other, share their bets, uh, maybe talk about strategies, things like that. Um, you know, Wayne and I were kind of joking offhand where we both watched the, uh, you know, Escaping Twin Flames, you know, documentary on Netflix. And uh, who knows, maybe you could be on Sharps and find your uh, your sports betting twin flame, like go after <laughs> it, go see what's up. So uh, anyways, uh, also the uh, Titan Nutrition uh, products are still, you know, available for anyone to buy. You can use our uh, promo code that we always plug at the bottom and uh, you know, check out whatever they have on their shelves and you know, let's take it from there. So without further ado, I'm going to pass it over to Wayne for our first game uh, on Sunday. It's going to be the New York Jets at the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. Thanks, Pat. That's a, it's a great intro. And yeah, more on the, the Sharps partnership that we have. Um, link will be in the description. Please support the podcast. You know, we get we're gonna get a little bit of something something for each download. So if you use any of the sports books, FanDuel, DraftKings, now ESPN bets, uh, you know, yeah, definitely sync it up there and let us know your bets on there. And I'll be on there. Uh, you can find me at Wayne Pua on there. So and I'll be posting my bets that I'm placing on here. So uh, with all that, yeah, let's get to this uh, Jets and Bills matchup here. So you know. Bills, man, they've been struggling offensively, uh, hence why they got rid of Ken Dorsey as the as their OC. Um, you know, I think I kind of predicted that they would regress a little bit here, and I'd like to say I'm right a little bit. Um, all the games uh, in, the, in the past six games, uh, they've been decided within a touchdown. So Bills offense, and that, a lot of that has to do, I think, with the Bills offense and just the overall mojo of the team. So, um, and you know. They did lose to the to the Jets. Uh, I think it was like the first game of the season when Aaron Rodgers went down and Zach Wilson came in here. So uh, that was uh, in New Jersey. This game's going to be in Buffalo. So it's like, okay, maybe they can do you know bounce back a little bit. So I am predicting though that the the cover or the the spread over here is uh, seven points in favor of the Bills. And like I mentioned before, um, you know. The past games, uh, the past six games have been decided with decided within a touchdown. So I'm going to say that the Jets cover, but I am predicting the Bills to be victorious in here. Uh, I think one thing is that the Bills, it always seems like they bounce back. It always seems like they bounce back. Um, I forget which game's exactly here, but they lost a couple games and they won the next game. They lost, you know, what win or they lose like a bad game and then they win the next game. And I think that's been you know, kind of why they're 500 right now, right? So uh, I think this is their bounce back. I know they've lost two in a row, uh, but at the same time, you know, this, this still is a really talented team. There's, I think they're going to eventually figure things offensively. Um, but, you know, uh, 
this is the you know first week without Ken Dorsey and, and their offensive coordinator and trying to figure things out a little bit more. So I feel like that's going to take a little bit some time to gel. Um, so for me, uh, yeah, I'm going to be placing a bet here that the Jets will cover uh, the seven point spread, but I do believe that the Bills will win here. Here, so uh, Pat, what do you got? Man, this one's tough. It is tough. Number one, tough to swallow that, you know, I thought, you know, the Bills would probably be our one seed this year in the AFC. Um, things started pretty nicely, but I feel like there's just been these undertones, especially on the offensive side of the ball, where it's like just this feeling that Stefan Diggs does not want to be there. Um, I feel like that was an offseason, you know, rumor. We kind of saw his uh, disgust after, you know, getting bounced from the AFC um, playoffs last year, um, kind of mouthing off to Josh Allen on the sideline. And, uh, you know, I just, yeah, the juju of that team is just completely off. Like, I don't know, you know, if the Ken Dorsey move was the right move, number one, like it's a message sent to the rest of the team. Like, Hey, you know, turn it around. But I feel like you got rid of one of the guys that truly put the Buffalo bills on the map, especially Josh Allen, that offense, um, you know, working as the QB coach under Brian Dable, Obviously, Dable got his job from, you know, being a part of that system and showed out in that first year with New York that, hey, like, I know what I'm doing and I'm capable of, you know, turning, uh, you know, some trash into treasure. And, you know, it's just unfortunate. Like, I, I'm i a little lost with them right now because, I mean, the last game, for example, you know, they were able to get the run going, but in the same sense, like, they were just coughing up the ball so much. Like, they seem, like, very prone to you know, losing fumbles, uh, Josh Allen, you know, he'll throw like an errant ball every once in a while and get a pick. Um, what I really didn't like is they didn't utilize Diggs. And that was the reason why Trayvon Diggs, his brother got on there and was like, you know, Stefan's basically made Josh and he's not wrong. Like, I don't love how Stefan's gone about, you know, maybe his relationship with the bills, especially in these last couple of years. And it's unfortunate because if he just bought in and obviously, maybe took the slack that he needed to like, you know, as far as like the rest of the offense, not really coming around. Like that's one thing, but it's like, he's too important to that team to just kind of, you know, give up at this point. Maybe that's part of his mental makeup, but what the bills absolutely need to do in this game against the jets is establish that tie back to Stefan Diggs being their top target getter. Maybe what they've tried to do is diversify that offense, which we have talked about, like getting a second weapon who's consistent, like a Dalton Kincaid. Maybe it's Gabe Davis. Who knows? Uh, James Cook had you know a good amount of yardage on the ground in the last one, got over 100 yards, but also had two really, you know, one fumble that was lost and another that he luckily scooped back up and was able to take for a big run. But it's like there's just too much up and down the offense. Um, defense, I couldn't say more good things about it creates a ton of pressure, you know, lots of sacks. I feel like they're always creating turnovers with their secondary, whether it's Poyer or uh, Teron Johnson. Also, Rasul Douglas was a great, you know, addition from uh, the Packers there. But uh, yeah, so, I mean, I got some question marks, but I think if they get back to Diggs as their primary weapon and really start to, uh, you know, maybe maybe emphasize the run a little bit more, um, that might be their best approach here against the Jets team that does have a good secondary and a you know really good defense overall. But what I will say on the Jets side of things is like they are just waiting for Aaron Rodgers to get healthy. Like this is all about, you know, making sure the team's in position to capitalize on whatever Aaron Rodgers can give them at the end of the year. Because the way Zach Wilson and the rest of that team played against, you know, Las Vegas on the road, it was pretty like despicable. I mean, 
Garrett Wilson's like the only, you know, <laughs> I feel like the only guy who's like all year been truly consistent. Um, the Raiders do have a good defense, but Brees Hall was completely locked up. It's not going to get any better against Buffalo, to be honest with you. Um, I think the Jets also have a problem with just having a second weapon too. Like they're very much like the Bills, except the Bills have Josh Allen and, you know, Zach Wilson is not even in the vicinity of being, you know, even a top 20 quarterback, top 25 quarterback in this league. So um, in Buffalo with a, you know, a tight spread, you know, give me the Bills. And I think it will be a close one and, and a relatively low scoring one too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the Chargers uh, or the, the the Jets against the Chargers was a twenty-seven-six. Looking at the past couple games here, yeah, and the Raiders they scored twelve points. Uh, even when they had that victory against the Giants, you know, a couple weeks back, thirteen points. Uh, so really, their offense just has been really anemic. Uh, you know, maybe they do get some sort of rhythm, but like you were saying, uh, Aaron, everybody's waiting for this Aaron Rodgers moment and. You know, I think I predicted the Jets to win the division. Uh, basically, 100% relying on Aaron Rodgers being there. Like, you know, if Aaron Rodgers was, you know, playing on this team uh, for the entire season, like that's probably at least like maybe two victories that he would, he himself would, um, you know, kind of will the team to to have. So, I think, you know, and then that that would I think would put them uh, on top of the division or tie for the uh, for the the divisional lead here. So. Yeah, but at the same time, yeah, this Bills team, there's a lot of question marks I think that's happening. And this is kind of this is gonna be kind of a inflection point of all right, maybe we 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 do get, you know, we come together with this whole Stefan Stefan Diggs situation. Um I even think I think Rob Gronkowski like made like a little video about this, right? Uh about Stefan Diggs and how he needs to like like so he needs something needs to happen there. So anyway, um yeah, I definitely see the Bills, I think, taking this just they just have way too much talent at, in Buffalo, and I think all those factors kind of play into this. And then, yeah, the Jets just have been struggling offensively, and then the defense. You know, usually when that happens, sometimes the defense is like, "Hey, we, we tried enough. Uh, we can't do. T- we can't cover Stephon Diggs and all the weapons that the Bills do have." Um, but you know, if Josh Allen does commit a bunch of turnovers, like this can be a very, very much be a snowball effect that happens uh, for the Jets in their favor. But yeah, for me, I. I I'm definitely going to be picking. Uh, yeah, it's going to be close, I think, here. At, yeah, with that seven-point spread uh, in favor of the Jets. Yeah. Um, the last thing I'll say is, like, Josh Allen this year is reminding me a lot more of, like, a, Dask, a Dak Prescott type than he is, like, a Joe Burrow type in previous seasons where mm-hmm. we're, like, it's kind of fool's gold because you're, like, man, I think Josh Allen is an absolute gamer, you know, play, you know, playmaker, uh you know, and it's uh, it's it's really changed up this year because I, you know, the fact that he hasn't been able to create like a number two, like a solidified number two, really shows that dependency that he does have on Diggs. And, you know, I think for for what he is as an athlete, like he does need to exploit that run for himself a lot more. Like mm-hmm. we in Chicago see what Justin Fields has been like over his first three seasons, and a lot of what his game is is on the ground, and it's like. We really wanted to make that those strides as a passer, but he's just not, he's not reaching those levels. And uh, you yeah. know, look at Josh, like bona fide Josh is probably still because quarterback's such a tough position, like a top 10 type of guy, but he's really taken a step back to me. Like just in the way I view him this year versus the way I viewed him in this last couple. Yeah. I mean, 
And I like I like that comparison because I feel like that is a very justified justify justified comparison between Josh Allen and Justin Fields. Actually, uh, both are you know big time playmakers, right? They can make uh, plays on their feet. They can gun it downfield, just like with the you know with the best of them. And I, I think the differences are is clutch moments maybe more so. Well, Josh Allen has you know shown in the playoffs a little bit. Um, granted, Justin Fields has has yet to get there, but you know, uh, but you know, uh, Justin Fields. I think his biggest thing is yeah, he can get he can get the touchdowns. I think he has like eleven, you know, right now, and he, uh, he had got you know two four four touchdown games. I think this season, and it's like he he does you know so a lot of those things. Well, the the big time plays where he struggles though is turnovers and you know. Uh, doing the check down right and not being able to re- read the field uh, completely, you know. But it's like that's also kind of what Josh Allen is to a certain extent with big time plays and then also the turnovers. I think he he leads the league in terms of total touchdowns since he's entered the league, but he also leads the league in like total uh, turnovers if I'm not mistaken. I think like one or two for both of those. So you know, a lot of positives, but then there's those negatives that can definitely be a difference maker for when you're going against say a, you know, a good quality team where when you lose that turnover margin, those turnovers against a good quality team, go luck winning those games against, you know, the chiefs, Bengals in the playoffs, Ravens, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, just a lot of things like happening like that right now with the Buffalo bills, but you know, I, I do believe that they have some good coaching there. Obviously, getting rid of Dorsey, it's going to be a little bit more refreshed start, a fresh start there. But I think they do have enough offensive talent. Hopefully, you know, for their sake, they're able to kind of just pull together in this situation right now. Yeah, no doubt. Well, we'll see how this one goes. Uh, I would expect, you know, a pretty tight game here. I think these two are still, you know, vying for playoff contention. I think they're still competitors in this race, but we'll just see how it shakes out. In our next one, we've got the Pittsburgh Steelers going on the road to take on the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, man, this, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson, right? Uh, looks like he's going to be out for the re- remainder of the year. So, uh, I mean, the Browns, they've won several games without him and to the point it was like, oh, we're actually pretty good without Deshaun Watson. You know, even though we got or got rid of a couple first-round picks and gave him all that guaranteed money there. So, uh, and he's been kind of up and down. It, it seemed like he was actually playing well. They got got more of the rhythm uh, in the last couple of games, but you know, kind of unfortunate, you know, from the player's standpoint, if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, that he's not playing here. But you know, Steelers uh, four and one against the Browns since 2021. Uh, Kenny Pickett is two and zero against the Browns. Uh, so I'm going to be going. It looks like the Browns are one and a half point favorite. Actually, uh, you know, it's in Cleveland, so that's probably you know a couple of the reasons why. And albeit they have a great defense. Uh, and then the Steelers, they're honestly kind of like a kind of a lucky team in a way. It's, I think they're bottom half in terms of both offense and in terms of uh, defense total yardage. So it's like, how is this team winning? How is this team, well, like six and three or something? So uh, Mike Tomlin is 24 and five against rookie quarterbacks. So there's a lot of things going in uh, kind of against uh, the Browns. You know, uh, Dorian Tom, Thompson Robinson, he's going to be starting and he didn't look that great. Uh, in his first game of action against the Ravens there, uh, kind of, you know, through, through three interceptions, got blown out there. So it's like, all right, uh, I'm going to go with the Steelers here. Uh, 
you know, I, I think I have them uh, on the money line actually, because I think on ESPN bets, it's as even. So you kind of get a one-on-one in there. So um, yeah, I'm going to go uh, picking the Steelers here on the road, getting a dub uh, against the Browns. I'm going to join you. I'm going to join you. Um, you know, Pittsburgh, surprisingly, you know, with Kenny Pickett under the helm, throwing for like a hundred, about you know, 150 yards, just no touchdowns, no interceptions. It still gets the job done. It, it's still getting the job done. I mean, the fact that they've incorporated, you know, Warren and Najee Harris in the backfield and just kind of taking off, uh, you know, I think Najee, you know, works better when he's got somebody he can pair with there and like give him those breaks that he probably needs. Uh, he doesn't have all the weight of his shoulders on being, you know, the traditional Steelers workhorse back, which I definitely think, you know, works for them. Um, but it's crazy. The defense for Pittsburgh, you know, we talked a lot about Cleveland and their defense and like that usually has been getting a lot of spotlight, you know, throughout the year in the NFL, but like quietly Pittsburgh is leading the league in takeaways, you know, just, you know, interceptions, fumbles, things of that nature. I mean, they're tied with the Bengals at the top of the league. So, um, you know, their their defense can can cause some havoc. And, you know, the, the games they've been a part of have been, you know, pretty low scoring on the opposite side of the ball. So, you know, I expect them to do that against Cleveland. Like you're saying with, you know, uh, Thompson Robinson there, it's like, you know, he'll be at home. That'll be, you know, to his advantage, maybe uh, having the crowd behind him. But in the same sense, this Pittsburgh Steelers team, you know, they've played really good football this year. Like they're they're six and three and, you know, they win this game. They'll be seven and three and they'll be like, you know, kind of nipping at the heels of the Ravens at the top of that division, which, you know, none of us really expected. And, you know, it's still like as we move toward the end of the year, going into the next, like in Tomlin's mind, he's got to be thinking like, man, if I just had a stud quarterback, like we could make a serious run at this thing. So, you know, we'll see how Pickett kind of works his way through this year. I mean, most of us are kind of looking at him as, you know, like a decent game manager, uh, probably a, a top line backup uh, for most teams in the NFL, but like just not convinced that maybe he's, you know, a guy that could can truly win in this league. But hey, you know, Give the credit to them where it's due. Uh, they're getting W's, and you know, I just, I just see this continuing with Cleveland kind of being hampered um, on the offensive side of the ball. And you know, kudos to their defense, but I just, I just don't see it being enough. Yeah, and you know, with the Steelers now, um, you know, with injuries happening in that division to both Deshaun Watson out for the year, and then we just got word that Joe Burrow is going to be out for the remainder of the year too. You know, the Steelers, like, you know, I think I had them. I, I might have predicted them bottom, or I think I had the Browns bottom and then the Steelers. But then it's like, man, you know, this division is nuts. Like, anybody can either, any like the lowest person, the lowest team on this in this division, fully healthy, right, can win the Super Bowl. Like, that's just how talented and, you know, strong these, these teams are on the defensive side and then, you know, on the offensive side uh, with all the weapons that they have, too. So, you know, I, if I'm going to make a pick here, yeah, I'm thinking, yeah, the Steelers, hey, we have we have a quarterback that isn't out for the year. Like, great. You know, is he is he a world changer? No, but we have a defense, and if they can make enough plays on offense, great, then that's that's enough to win us some games. So, yeah, you know, uh, I'm probably going to be seeing that Steelers taking second in this division, a really tough division, just because, yeah, these injuries, they're not just like, you know, it's not just the talent, but obviously – the confidence level on both sides of the ball. So, but we'll see, you know, crazy things have happened in the, 
NFL this year, you know, we we were definitely looking at the Vikings and kind of what's happening over there with Kirk Cousins and, you know, him being hurt and and, and gone for for the remainder of the year. But then, you know, Josh Dobbs coming in there, it's like, oh, yeah, like we're we're still good. We're still good. So, um, yeah, the Steelers, the Steelers team this season is going to be interesting. I think how they, you know, go go into the playoffs probably is what I'm thinking. And, you know, just this whole thing about with them, it's like, man, are they lucky or are they good? Like, I don't know exactly. There's, there's a lot of question marks, but at the same time, you can't argue with the results of winning. So great coaching, I think, from Mike Tomlin here. Yeah, and throw throw Mark Andrews into that, you know, list of players that will be out for the year. So just another knock to one of their competitors, and that's a huge player, you know, obviously for the Ravens too. So we'll see how, you know, Lamar uh, copes with that and kind of, you know, moves his team forward. But, uh, all right. Well, I guess we're in agreement there. We can move on to the next one, uh, which will be our Chicago Bears going on the road to take on the Detroit Lions. Yeah. You know, this is interesting. This is actually interesting. I think it looks like Justin Fields is going to be playing. So let's let's take that in there into consideration immediately. And then uh, I believe us a clue Herbert. He got cleared to play as well. So, you know, hey, uh, a, a fully uh, healthy offense there for the Bears. Defense has been playing a little bit better, right? Um, so, hey, you know, I, there, uh, something can happen against, I think, the Lions here a little bit. Um, and, you know, so I, I think the spread is a seven and a half, which I'm like, you know, a, a team like the Bears getting some momentum on their side. Uh, obviously, Justin Fields, he's he's kind of prone to some of those errors that uh, befuddled them for basically just not winning games. And, you know, the Lions have been playing pretty good football uh, this season. So, um, seven and a half. Uh, I'm not going to go on to the spread, but I'm going to get, I'm, I'm actually going to pick the under. Um, I'm going to pick the under. I think it's seven, 47 and a half. Uh, I think with the, the, the way that both these teams play, I think the bears, they're going to be able to stop the run a little bit. Uh, I think, uh, the bears defense has been, you know, they've been better on the, against the run past couple of games. I think they've been holding teams under a hundred yards, like the past seven games. So, you know, pretty good run defense so far. Uh, you know, after making some changes there on the on the defensive coordinator side. So, um, and the Lions, they like to run the ball with David Montgomery. You know, seeing that uh, old face there, uh, and then obviously Gibbs. So, and I think whenever Goff, they do have. I think they do struggle a little bit when they're able to when the Lions are not able to establish the run because uh, he's so effective. I think in the play action pass here. So. I'm, a, I'm, gonna, I'm still going to pick the Lions. I'm still going to pick the Lions. I'm not going to go that crazy. But, um, yeah, I think it'll be fairly close. But I, I do believe it is, I'm going to be betting the under there. I think it's going to be a lower scoring game than that uh, 47.5 total there. So, But, yeah, picking the Lions overall to win and then betting the under on the 47.5. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm with you in terms of this being a competitive game because since the Bears acquired Montez Sweat, um, their defense has started to rise up the board in terms of, you know, yards per game allowed. Like they're now finding themselves in the middle of the league. Um, their offense as well is like kind of dancing around the middle of the league in terms of, you know, yards created as well. You add fields, obviously, uh, you know, Herbert back into the mix there. Like that's only going to help their team. In my opinion, I don't think anything of Tyson Badgen. I really haven't since the start of it. I feel like, you know, he gets, he gets a win against Carolina and folks want to call it a competition. It's just like, Man, it was like whoever didn't want to lose the game, in my opinion. So it's just, 
you know, I, I think that's been a little bit overblown. Like it's cool that he's got confidence and yada, 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 but he's just, I mean, still statistically hadn't, hadn't really done much that, you know, would make him look any better than a guy like, you know, Kenny Pickett at, at best. So, um, you know, with that, we know what Fields is and for him to come back, he's got seven games to prove himself. This is his time. This is his time for Justin Fields, whether it's with the Chicago bears or with whatever team, you know, is looking at him, you know, from here on out, he knows that, you know, he's playing for pretty much a starting job in the NFL, you know, starting next season. So I think he's completely, and, you know, he'll be utterly motivated to go into this game and play well. Um, This is a division rivalry, you know, not always been at the uh, top of the NFC North in terms of standings, but we've always had good games against the lions over the years. I think that continues. I'm with you in that, in, you know, that respect, Also Detroit, you know, for as good as their defense has been, you know, against the Chargers, I mean, it was a much different game, allowed a ton of points, didn't create a lot of pressure. There were no sacks in, in, you know, last week's game for Detroit. So, you know, I could see them obviously, you know, sitting at like seven and two, you know, maybe just taking their foot off the, you know, the, the gas a little bit. I mean, I know they're talking Super Bowl over there, which you know, good for them. They should be aiming, you know, extremely high. And I think Dan Campbell's, you know, got them, you know, confidence wise to the highest point they can be, but, but still going to be, you know, eight and two is a very large ask for a team that hasn't really been there in a long time. And, you know, we watched, you know, the Ravens as they've been kind of ascending, you know, up and up the rankings, you know, their ability to maybe get to that eight and two spot was, was stopped short by, you know, Cleveland at the basically end of the game there. I mean, getting some, you know, timely turnovers and stuff. So I could see Chicago, you know, putting up a really good fight here, but uh, yeah, I think talent's still going to win out and, you know, Detroit's also at home. So that's going to be you know, a huge boost for them. So um, I'm with you. Give me Detroit. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, to that point with uh, Justin Fields kind of like auditioning here, you know, seven games, that's it, it, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting what happens, I think, in the next seven games here. And, you know, it's like, do we draft a quarterback? Do we move on from him, right? Do we go with Caleb Williams, uh, uh, Drake May? Uh, do we trade out of that and, you know, get MVH? Uh, I mean, I mean, or, uh, yeah, Marvin Harrison over there. It's like, man, so many things I think that can kind of occur. And a lot of, it's, it's great for Bears fans, but, you know, for the decision makers uh, with Ryan Poles, it's like, which way do we go? There's so many different directions I think they can take this. And this next seven games will be an awesome uh, kind of addition, I think, going forth because you know there, there's enough talent. This is the most talent that Justin Fields has had since he's been here, far, but you know, far none. And then you know has some continuity with an offensive coordinator from last year. So it's like if he's not going to get it done now, like he's not going to get it done ever. And you know, he's he had some you know two. Two really good games there. Two of the best games I think we've, he's played uh, in his career, and it's like great. Uh, there's got to be some sort of continuity. You got to be consistent. You got to bring some level of uh, just yeah continuity going forth because you know you can't just have these ups and downs in the NFL and you know cost the team so many turnovers and then yeah that's where we end up losing games. So yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I think what happens with Justin Fields. You know, I think we. Both set our piece with regards to him. Like it'd be great if you can't have him, and then yeah, we just concentrate on building the team around him. But man, if if he you know kind of drops the ball, fumbles the ball a bunch here, um, you know commits a lot of turnovers, doesn't uh, progress in his reads and stuff, then it's like third year in the NFL, man. We got to be moving on now. So 
But yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting and I think fun to watch to see what happens with Justin Fields going forth. Yeah. Plus, as the Bears, um, you don't need to hold on to Fields as a backup option going into next year if you have Tyson Badgett. Like, I, you know, I'm not a fan of Badgett being our starter, but in the same sense, like, is he capable of coming into a game if somebody's injured and doing a respectable job? Like, yes, he can do that. So my hope is the Bears, you know, keep Fields in for these next seven. Um, at the very least, if we lose all seven, that only improves, you know, our draft slot for the Bears pick. But in the same sense, it's getting that getting those looks from all angles, whether they're down in games, up in games. But I'll be honest with you, I'm you know haven't looked closely at the schedule here moving forward for the Bears, but I definitely see a few victories uh, coming our way down the stretch. Like I just feel like this team, you know, with the acquisition of Montez Sweat, you can tell there's like a new energy to them. Um, you know, they're still missing you know, pieces, you know, across the field. But I think that this team is definitely capable of of beating some teams in the NFL, you know, for the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean, we got what? Uh, we got Lions twice. Uh, so, you know, it, divisional rival, anything can kind of happen there. Obviously, they'll, they'll be favored for both games. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that should be interesting. But then yeah, we got the Vikings, you know, like we said, mentioned before, without Kirk Cousins. Uh, still playing at a high level, but you know, without that team leader like that, that's that can definitely be detrimental. Uh, Cleveland Browns, yeah, no Deshaun Watson. Uh, Cardinals, I mean, they got Kyler Murray back, but you know, they they just haven't been playing the best brand of football, I think, this year. So who knows with them? Falcons, they've been kind of up in the air now. I think there's been a lot more criticism with Arthur Smith, you know, not giving Bijan Robinson the ball at the goal line. Uh, and then yeah, we got the Packers, who yeah, they haven't been they haven't been playing that well this season, so. You know, a lot of winnable games, uh, teams that we can compete against. And I'll be very interested to see how Justin Fields, you know, if he's able to play against the Browns there, how he handles that Browns defense. Like, is he going to fold or, you know, is he going to get it sacked a bunch? Because he's got he's got to uh, build off of, you know, what he's done previously in his career where he just he just gets sacked. He, you know, does five sip drops and just tries to, you know, make plays that aren't there and, you know, doesn't just take what the defense gives them. So I feel like that that's just that could be a good way to showcase like what do we have uh going forth with Justin Fields there. But yeah, some winnable games I think and you know we'll see what happens I think with Justin Fields. But as long as the Panthers suck and we still get that, you know, top three pick, then uh you know I, I think we'll be good uh, going forth in terms of what we can do in the draft there. For sure. In our next one, we've got the Minnesota Vikings going on the road to take on the Denver Broncos. Man, this Broncos team, they've been hot. You know, they want <laughs> what three straight. I think now they're like four and five, I believe. And, you know, Russell Wilson, he's been playing really well. He's been playing re- really well this season. Uh, the defense, I think they're like, all right, let's not let's try not to give 70 points up. I think they made like a nickelback change, and all of a sudden they're like a top five defense all of a sudden. <laughs> You know, they have talent. They have talent. So, like, that's that's been their, um, you know, their whole thing there is uh, uh, they, they just couldn't scheme right properly or maybe, yeah, maybe they just didn't have the right personnel there to help stop the run. But they've been playing a lot better football of late. So, and then that Vikings team there, like, a miracle kind of you know, being able to win there with Josh Dobbs, who's been traded twice like, this season, which is ridiculous. And he's still able to, like, pull off a win here and there. So, uh, Justin Jefferson is questionable, and so is Madison, who is under concussion protocol. So, you know, I think the tendency is usually when they're in their 
you know, that first week of concussion protocol, they usually just don't play. So uh, a lot of things kind of going against the favor for the Vikings uh, there. So uh, I'm going to pick, yeah, I'm going to pick the Broncos uh, winning this game here. It's just nuts, man, how this turnaround that they've been able to do. Um, I think I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to bet the under actually, in terms of the, the point total is 42 and a half, uh, last two victories at home, uh, for the Broncos, you know, against the Packers and chiefs were under that total. So, you know, Vikings offense, uh, you know, again, without Kirk cousins, I think they'll, they won't be scoring that as much or be able to move the ball as well. So, you know, against a pretty good Broncos defense here. So yeah, I'm going to go. Uh, picking the Broncos to win, but then, yeah, bending the under for that, that 42 and a half uh, total there. Broncos country, let's ride. I think it's time. <laughs> I think it's time, man. Finally time for everyone to ride. <laughs> time to ride. No, I'm going with the Broncos too, man. I didn't know how this one was going to go debate-wise, but now I'm feeling the same juju that you are. And, you know, I think... The fact that Russell Wilson's now getting a little bit, you know, more entrenched there. Um, he's creating rapport with Sutton. Uh, Judy still needs to get a little bit more involved uh, just in the passing game. But, you know, they've got Javante Williams back. He's he's looking more like himself um, post-injury. And, you know, they're still you know able to create some pressure. Um, they give up a lot of rushing yards. But I think the one thing, you know, going against the Vikings is you got Ty Chandler. You've got... Um, obviously, like you said, Matt, Madison's questionable. Um, they just they just don't have, I think, the right personnel to go up against the Broncos, even with you know the shortcomings that that Broncos have on, you know, giving up a lot of rushing yards. Is see them being able to contain um, the guys that the Vikings are going to roll out. So, you know, with that kind of neutralized, I just I still feel like the secondary for for Denver has been pretty strong with Sertan and Simmons, like Simmons had another pick last week. I think they had two as a team. Um, they're just looking good. They are riding some momentum here. And yeah, I think Minnesota has had an extremely respectable season to this point. I mean, they've been very resilient based on the team seemingly throwing in the towel, um, you know, this past off season with just letting so many, you know, veterans go, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, they've just they've just found a way to kind of continue to scrap it together. I think Dobbs is getting, you know, so much more respect this season uh than he than he ever has in his career. I mean, I've I definitely overlooked him and thought really nothing nothing of him as a as a starting quarterback option for any team. I thought, yeah, maybe he's good at understanding the playbook and being a good leader and stuff as a backup, but man, the way that he just has come in and provided confidence and you know, understanding a tough system like the ones that, you know, O'Connell really rolls out there. Um, you got to give them a lot of credit, but they are just missing talent for me. And, you know, it's not the Bron- it's not that the Broncos are, you know, this, <laughs> you know, unbeatable squad or anything like that. But, you know, I just think they take an L this weekend in a, in a, in a tight game. And, uh, you know, we'll see where they land for the rest of the year. But, you know, I think they've, they've just now proven that they are extremely resilient and have, you know, some plan B's there, um, especially in the receiving game with just getting Addison more involved and Hawkinson and Dobbs are, you know, building a great report. So hopefully that, that continues for them. Yeah. Yeah. I guess with the one more bullet to the Vikings too, from the injury side, uh, Jordan Hicks, their, their captain on, on defense there. Uh, looks like he's going to be on the IR. Like that's a leader on their defensive side, which they've been playing a lot better. Uh, so, you know, tough, 
tough uh, blow there, I think. Uh, just injuries catching uh, with the Vikings. But, uh, I mean, yeah, like I'm looking at the rest of the season for the Broncos. You know, now that we're, I guess, on the subject matter, it's like you know, <laughs> after, after this game, right? It's like you got the Browns, you know, backup quarterback. Uh, Texans, they've been up and down. Obviously, CJ Stroud's playing really well. But, yeah, that team just keeps on going up and down like a yo-yo a little bit. Uh, you got the Chargers uh, looks like twice here, so divisional rival, and that that honestly might be a battle for a second place, in my opinion. Like this could be something. So yeah, yeah, and they got the Lions, uh, you know, in in Detroit. So that that'll be really tough. But Patriots, mm-hmm. um, yeah, they got Patriots at 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 home in Denver, and then they yeah, had the uh, finishing off the season with the Raiders. So yeah, like. Was that you said five? Was that five? five. Uh, I mean, they get to ten wins. I mean, they could get to ten wins. We're talking about it. Maybe they're nine and eight, ten, ten and seven. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, um, yeah. Let's see if there. they run the table. Yeah, maybe they run the table, or you know, like maybe only have like a couple losses here and there. But yeah, with the way that they've been playing, you know, they beat the Chiefs uh, pretty convincingly and everything. So I don't know. This a lot of strange things can happen. I think. Uh, you know, and uh, I definitely doubted them. A lot of people doubted them, especially the way that they started the season, especially after, you know, cons- some of the comments, offhanded comments, I think Sean Payton made. But yeah, if this this team can certainly, there's a possibility that they can, you know, run the table a little bit here and make the playoffs, which that would be unbelievable for, you know, the Broncos here. Yeah, I don't think anybody was really thinking about it. Um, you know, teams that will play against them with good rushing attacks are going to be ones to look out for. Mm-hmm. Um, it's partially why maybe, you know, they play a good game against the Texans. I mean, the Texans haven't really been able to establish, you know, much over right. the years, uh, you know, this year so far, but, you know, we'll just have to see, I mean, maybe they split a couple of those divisional games, but, um, no, I mean, I'm just more or less encouraged for them just playing better football, uh, not being in a complete embarrassment. I mean, they win this week, they're 500. I mean, who would have thought? And, uh, man, that AFC West is just getting, a little bit more intriguing as the weeks go by, you know, with the Raiders playing better football, you got obviously the chiefs out there and who knows about the chargers. Like they're, they're looking like they're at the the bottom right now, but I mean, they have, they have more talent arguably than the Raiders and Broncos. It's just, it just hasn't all come together. So um, we'll see, but yeah, we're definitely, we're definitely in agreement on this one. Yeah. How about that? Like the Raiders are second at five and five, right? In that division with Antonio Pierce as the head coach. It's like, who would have thought like this, this whole, that whole division is just kind of up in the air a little bit. And yeah, it, it, it's a who's hot week, week to week type of league, right? And right now they have the Broncos. They're kind of firing right now. So it should be interesting to see. Yeah. In our last one, we've got a Super Bowl rematch on Monday night um, as the Philadelphia Eagles travel to KC to take on the Chiefs. Yeah, man, I kind of went... I went back and forth a little bit on this, but a couple, couple of things that I saw noticed here. So, <clears throat> you know, I think the Eagles are owned for against Andy Reid uh, since, you know, they axed and canned Andy Reid. So he's had the, he's had the, his revenge uh, against the Eagles after being with them for like, what, 14, 15 years there. So uh, Andy Reid, you know, both teams are coming off a bye, but uh, Andy Reid is 31 and uh, six after the bye. Sirianni, you know, smaller sample size, two and zero, which is good for him. Uh, 
there's a lot of the same players uh, that are on both both teams. You know, a couple of changes here and there. You know, Hargrave, I think, you know, on the Eagles, but they did get Jalen Carter. You know, some trade-offs here and there. But overall, I think they're very much similar teams there. Uh, maybe the Eagle or the Chiefs' offense just isn't performing that well. I think that's definitely one call-out there. Uh, but, you know, after a bye, I think, hey, you know, this team can pick it up on the offensive side a little bit, you know. And uh, – I think I I see the score uh, is uh, forty five and a half. It looks like that the line is there, and it's like I might go the over. Uh, if we, if we remember correctly on here, the Super Bowl uh, matchup that ended, you know last season it, it was uh, what thirty eight to thirty five, so pretty high scoring there. You know after a bye week from both teams, like you know both teams kind of offensively figuring things out, uh, both from Sirianni and Andy Reid's uh, point of views. I'm thinking this this game is going to be a little bit more high on a higher scoring end here. So I know I understand the Chiefs have struggled offensively, uh, but again, a lot of the same assets. And then also, let's factor in that the the rumors of uh, Taylor Swift uh, and her family also coming <laughs> uh, to watch the game with her family. So uh, this could be a family affair, and we all know that Travis Kelsey apparently his receiving yardage doubles whenever Taylor Swift's in the crowd. So. All that, you know, math out there. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pick the Chiefs. I'm going to pick the Chiefs. And then I have the, but I'm going to pick the bet of um, 45 and a half. Maybe I'll do like a parlay or something like that with the Chiefs winning and then uh, picking the over for the 45 and a half here. So, you know, again, Andy Reid, great offensive mind. I think after a bye week, we'll, we'll try to figure things out here. There's a lot, there's still a lot of talent from the Eagles perspective. That I think just, you know, they haven't been able to figure it out. I think after this bye week, maybe they are able to get things humming. I think I also saw one awesome record from uh, Andy Reid's time with the Eagles is that, again, Andy Reid's like a, a phenom with the bye week. He loves the, the bye week for whatever reason. Uh, when he was at the Eagles, his team was 500 uh, before the bye. Mm. Before the bye. Afterwards, it was like two to one, I think, win loss ratio, like is killed it afterwards. So he, he uses the buy, makes the adjustments, I think, to the point that teams would actually inquire, like their assistant coaches, like, what do you guys do with a bye week? Why are you guys so good? So, you know, he kind of just lets his players relax, right? Travis Kelsey went to Buenos Aires to see Taylor. So, I mean, hey, like, that, I think that's great. And then, yeah, they coach up there. So, uh, yeah, whatever it is is in the formula for Andy Reid after the bye week, I'm all for. So I'm going to pick the Chiefs winning this game and then, yeah, picking it over, making this a little bit more of a high-scoring game here. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely would take the over, number one. I mean, looking at the uh, the Cowboys-Eagles pre-bye in week nine uh, for them to combine for more than 50 points, I think that's pretty fair to say. I mean, both of those teams have very stout defenses, but – they're still going to be able to score those points, whether it comes on the offensive side or defensive takeaways. Um, the funny thing about this game is like, traditionally you'd think, you, you know, you think of Mahomes and some of the talent that the Eagles have on the offensive side, you know, think of this as like an offensive, you know, matchup, but it, it feels more like a defensive one, you know, this year. I mean, in KC, KC's defense is the thing that's actually been leading on the entire year. I mean, they're placing top five in yards allowed and you know, definitely get a ton of pressure and, you know, sacks and things of that nature. And the same goes for the Eagles. I mean, like we we're, you just, you know, you just mentioned Hargrave leaving for the 49ers and, you know, bringing Jalen Carter and, 
you know, just their ability to, you know, get to the quarterback and, you know, gobble up a bunch of sacks themselves. I think they had five against Dallas. So, um, you know, all this to be said, I mean, I just feel like Philly has played some really tight ones, uh, you know, especially in the last like handful of weeks where they could have easily lost the game and, you know, found a way to persevere. I just feel like they've been playing with fire too much week over week um, in anticipation for their hardest matchup of the year. And I think KC just truly exploited them in the Super Bowl last year. I mean, we got to halftime and when, you know, they came back, you know, through the tunnels, it was a completely different team. I mean, they were just <laughs> went you know, pass by pass and pick them apart and, you know, gobbled up a ton of yards, getting their, obviously their offense down the field and using all of their weapons. And, you know, that's just what Mahomes has been doing this entire year. I mean, Kelsey's been the standout, you know, receiver for Casey, obviously, but he too can fade in certain weeks. And it's just like, you'll look down the, the box score and, you know, <laughs> Mahomes has included seven or eight guys and, you know, in, in the passing game. So I see them taking a similar approach here, like really distributing the ball and, you know, moving it around against, against the Eagles. Um, you know, I think this will be a great matchup. I think it'll be a fun one to watch. Uh, Eagles are definitely going to come hungry, motivated. I just feel like, you know, they're just going to have, they're going to fall short. I, they've, they've had too many close calls. I feel like recently where I just think Casey will be more even keel and confident and kind of knowing that they can, they can beat the Eagles. Yeah. I mean, this is definitely, it feels like if this was in Philly, right, maybe the Eagles do take it, getting that home field advantage a little bit, but this is going to be in KC in the kingdom. It's it's going to be a tough matchup, I think, for them. Yeah, with Andy Reid again after the bye, uh, that little difference maker, I think, uh, can do all the wonders there. But, um, yeah, honestly, the Chiefs defense, like one of the better defenses, I think, in all of football. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, top five, and that really has been – uh, what's been winning them games? Honestly, I you know, I, I it, it definitely feels like right now, right? The Chiefs are kind of like what the you know what Tom Brady and the Patriots are a little bit like you know good yeah. stout defense, <laughs> like keeping the scores low, and then their quarterback just makes enough plays to their tight end, right? <laughs> you know, you need a first down, right? Let's get a Kelsey, right? So, um, you know, not a big running game, uh, you know, formidable here and there, but you know nothing. Uh, they're not, they're, they're not, they're passing most of the time. So just a little bit more short yardage and making the right reads there. So, um, but yeah, it's like, I, I think that, you know, Patrick Mahomes, he's gotten a little bit more of a rhythm. I think with Rasheed Rice, he's, he's kind of like been focusing on, on him a little bit more. Uh, I think he's got three touchdowns the last five games as well. Um, so developing with more of that relationship with that rookie. And then obviously it's like, all right, uh, can we get more from some of the other supporting cast of wide receivers? I think that's been the big, biggest question uh, this season so far, honestly. And, you know, uh, can we get, you know, get something from Sky Moore? I know I've talked about him a little bit, but he just hasn't developed that rhythm with him yet uh, in his career. So it's hard to say what they can get, uh, what they can get from him. But, you know, obviously there's Kadarius Tony, uh, Watson, um, you know, yes. So I, I think they'll be fine, but, and they'll be able to make some plays because Patrick Mahomes just knows how to, to distribute the ball, uh, not just focus on one wide receiver. But yeah, when you want to focus on on one wide receiver, it's a good thing that you have you know the best pass catching tight end I think in like NFL history there. So um, yeah, just I think a lot to like I think from the Chiefs' perspectives, their defense is playing really well. Uh, but yeah, it's like after this whole bye week, I feel like both teams are going to come. Uh, ready, prepared offensively, have a game plan, and 
yeah, maybe some halftime adjustments here and there to slow it down. But uh, I don't know. It should be a fun game, I think, regardless uh, of who wins exactly. Yeah, the second you went on a line of an analogy with another team, the Patriots came to my mind right before you said that. And I totally agree. It almost feels like post-Randy Moss, you know, Patriot football because it was like, I think Tom Brady at that point knew that, yes, losing Moss is a huge deal, like it was for Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. But in the same sense, they got resilient. They got smarter. They play just Mm -hmm. more controlled football. And they're definitely taking that emphasis kind of away from the quarterback having to do everything to get them over the hump. And it's like, yeah, man, you just look at the resources they've poured into the defense. Uh, you know, Trent McDuffie has been just a great corner this year, like very, you know, very unsung in the way that he's just been able to cover and, you know, pass deflect and tackle. Like I like watching him play football. It's fun to watch. Uh, Chris Jones, obviously being back as their anchor, you know, in general, but um, yeah, man, I, I, I think this chiefs team is, you know, they just don't have to do too much to beat you. I mean, they, it's, it's, it's a good, it's a good position for them to be in. Um, I feel like they're now going to cruise, you know, their way into a a number one seed um, in the AFC, you know, now knowing that the bills have had short comings, um, you know, Burrow going out for the Bengals, another big deal. The Ravens are competitive, but they also haven't sealed the deal in the times where I think they should have. And it's like, you know, I think they'll still, you know, be at the top of the AFC, but in a lot of ways, I'm like, man, KC can just kind of, if they get a win against the Eagles, you know, they can kind of just prep their way to the playoffs and, you know, maybe another Super Bowl. So we'll just have to Mm -hmm. wait and see. Yeah. I mean, that's a good breakdown. I think Uh, a lot of question marks there. I think, uh, you know, obviously Browns, yeah, they lost, you know, Deshaun Watson and then Joe Burrow going down. That's a huge loss. Like Browning, you know, uh, I think he went to Washington, I believe, University of Washington, I believe, and it did okay job there, but it was never like you know, the top prospect or anything. So, yeah, just unfortunate that that all kind of happened. I, I think there goes our, you know, uh, Super Bowl predictions or whatever there. Uh, but, yeah. you know, hey, injuries, man, it's a, it's a pain. Uh, yeah, it, it'll be interesting who come, who kind of competes there with the Chiefs, I think, in the AFC. Obviously, yeah, you mentioned the Ravens. They've been playing like the best team in football, but yeah, losing – a player like Mark Andrews, that's huge for the year, right? Um, you know, we'll see what happens if they pass more to was it Isaiah Likely? I know he's he's been kind of like the the, the next man up a little bit. Uh, has a lot of talent, a lot of physical skills, but you know, just uh, still young and, and kind of developing. They're a little bit raw, uh, and obviously, yeah, Mark Andrews, like that was Lamar's favorite target. Uh, he's been distributing the ball pretty well, I think, with Zay Flowers and the rest of the wide receiver crew. Uh, you know some big plays to uh, Nelson Aguilar. And then obviously he's developed a, a lot better relationship with uh, Odell Beckham Jr. as the season has gone along. So um, yeah, it could be a Ravens-Casey matchup potentially. Uh, you know, we'll see what, also what happens. I think, uh, yeah, with even in their division with Chargers or, or Broncos. I mean, again, you know, th- those two teams have been, or the Broncos have been playing really well. Chargers have been up and down. And it's like, you can't really bet a, bet for them in the playoffs though i don't know we'll see what happens but i think your 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 team also uh the jacksonville jaguars uh they've always they've been playing pretty well they're you know probably like one of the more complete teams i would say uh i think they just kind of deal with consistency on occasion and you know uh, an occasional bad turnover here and there but yeah i think all those teams can definitely be in play so we'll see what happens i think at the end of the season but 
yeah, the Chiefs, they're, they're looking still pretty good, even though they had that loss against the Broncos. Just, yeah, they, they have, I think, way too much talent, way too much experience, that, you know, great coaching too, um, to kind of just let down on here. So uh, I feel pretty good. I think I had them winning the Super Bowl as a repeat, like first time in a while that's happened. And I also do believe, I think, Patrick Mahomes, he it looks like he's going to be, I think he's a favorite for MVP at the moment, actually, right now. Although I have made arguments, CJ Stroud ought to get that consideration because, man, that kid is just balling. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. Fun football, I think, for the rest of the season to look forward to. Yeah. It opens the door for my preseason dark horse in Miami, too, to get into this oh. mix. I mean, they've had, obviously, their, their, their uh, you know, their battles with top teams, they've, they've fallen short. Um, they bring back HN this weekend to pair with Mostert. Like that'll add a little juice to their offense for sure. And then, um, you know, we'll just see how they close out the year. Like, can they bit, you know, can they win some big games here down the stretch to get them ready for the playoffs? And, you know, if so, I don't think there would be a better or more exciting, you know, unless you're for the Ravens in terms of just pure excitement. I think a Miami KC championship game would be a hell of a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, Tyreek Hill, kind of like a little revenge uh, game there, I think. And then obviously Mike McDaniels, mm. Mr. Soundbite. Like, that'll be a fun uh, playoff matchup, I think, that that were, you know, if that were to occur there. Uh, and, man, all the explosive offense that could potentially happen, like, that'll be just game on, I feel like. Uh, so, um, but, yeah, I don't know. All, all those teams, I think, could be fun to kind of compete against the Chiefs here. Sounds good. Well, we'll we'll stay tuned here uh, for some NFL football. Uh, thanks, everyone, if you're still with us. You know, subscribe to us here on YouTube, um, anywhere else that you may be listening. Feel free to you know comment. Uh, let us know what you think about these matchups, about how the NFL season may you know wind down uh, as we move into the final weeks here. Um, but I guess with that, we will uh, close on some final thoughts, and I'll kick it over to Wayne. Yeah, I mean. You know, Thanksgiving's coming up. Uh, I'm going to be spending it over with, you know, the fam and everything in uh, Darien. Uh, you know, so I'm actually going to be bringing some ice cream. Uh, I've been playing around. I bought an ice cream maker. Uh, you know, first time I made vanilla ice cream. Icy, did not like it. You know, I need to put a little bit more milk in there. So I learned my lesson there. Then added more milk in there. I uh, also just froze the base a little bit longer uh, and then was able to churn it and it came out smoothly. Uh, and then I tried out chocolate chip mint. And uh, I don't know. I like chocolate chip mint. I think a lot of people are like, I don't know. Mint chocolate chip or chocolate yeah. chip mint? I need... Choc okay. Cho chocolate chip <laughs> mint. So there's chocolate chips. It's different. But then, yeah, yeah. There's chocolate <laughs> chips and then there's the actual mint uh, like the on the base of the ice cream, right? So mm. uh yeah, yeah, yeah. So chocolate chip. I I had like I think it was like cookie, uh, um, the, the chocolate chips that you put in, put in cookies. So I used that as the mm. chocolate chips, uh, separately from yeah the mint, uh, which covered I guess the base there. So, uh, yeah, that was kind of my, my recipe there, and I think that it turned out really well. It came out really smooth. Uh, put a lot more milk compared to say cream, which kind of made it a little bit more of a. Like a little bit more of a gelato, I guess. So I'm um, going to try to replicate something like that. I did get a request, though, to uh, make some mango sorbet. So I'm not going to re really use milk there. So that'll, that'll be a, a new thing for me to experiment this weekend. But um, yeah, I don't know. Curious, uh, Pat, 
you know, do you have any favorite ice cream flavors? Uh, do you have any favorite uh, stories from ice cream in general? Uh, you know, is there anything you would like for me to make? I don't know. What What do you think about the whole ice cream scenarios out there right now? Well, you have asked me about ice cream before, so I have given you my coverage on that one. But I will I'll repeat that. You know, coffee flavored ice cream is 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 nearing the top of the list for me. Uh, you know, definitely with trying to you know cool down on the calories, the extra, you know, the added sugar, all that good stuff. Um, it's hard to do, it's, you know, d depending on whatever product you're getting, there's always going to be a lot of sugar, but, um, I have done a double take on Talenti recently, just because I have noticed that there's a lot of sugar packed into the pint as well as some saturated fat. I'm just like, man, I'm just, I'm trying to cut corners where I can, but, uh, you know, in general, if I don't find a good alternative, whether it's ice cream or, you know, some non-dairy product, like, I'm going to stick with it. I still like coffee and I'm going to indulge whenever I want to. But uh, yeah, man, I never told you this though, is that my first job ever was as an ice cream scooper oh. um, in Evanston, Illinois. I made five thirty-five an hour at Hardigan's <laughs> ice cream shop. Um, it is a family friend run store and that's how I got my first in. But I think the true perk of the store was that Really, every one of my family members uh, had worked there, like all of my cousins, ex with the exception of like two out of like, you know, a baker's dozen of us like had worked there. So like we were all in that pipeline working together. And uh, the biggest perk was that you could have as much free ice cream as you wanted on shift. And I remember one day I had five milkshakes in an eight oh. hour shift and I had to ride my bike home, uh, which is about <laughs> half hour away. And it was a probably like an 80 to 90 degree day in Chicago during the summer. And man, I was sweating bullets that entire bike ride home because I seriously thought I was just going to, you know, pop like at all ends, you know? So, uh, luckily in the last couple of blocks, I was able to turn up the, the speed, throw my bike, uh, you know, in the front lawn and kind of, kind of run inside and, you know, that's history. But, uh, it was my, it was, it was a close call. It was a scare. And, uh, it definitely taught me to not ever do that to myself ever again. <laughs> and, uh, I will say the funny thing is though, about working at an ice cream store is that I had a lot of shifts, especially over the summer times and into the fall. And I, and I didn't work there for a long time, probably like, um, you know, a year or so, but, uh, you really get tired of eating ice cream. Like it, it is really, it, it's like such a, like you almost like, I got to a point where I'd get to a shift and I hadn't had any ice cream for the day. And I just take my first bite and it was like, it just tasted like sour at a certain point point. Cause I was just like, I just got to stop eating ice cream. Like I just, I just don't want to eat it. So, um, but you miss it, you know, you come back, uh, -huh. uh, everyone loves, you know, some of their favorite things out there, but, uh, you know, just definitely don't abuse, you know, some of those, some of those food products that you enjoy the most. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I might've mentioned before, yeah, like I used to work at a Chinese buffet. That was like my first job. And, you know, I, I love Chinese food, you know, I'm kind of Chinese or whatever. So, but at the same time, like eating it like every single day, like, all right, I, I want, I don't know, eggs or something. I want uh, something basic. I want a bologna sandwich, like, or, you know, some chicken fried chicken or something like, I don't know, something a little bit different from your conventional, like traditional Chinese food or something. So yeah, I get that. And then, you know, too much of anything like, yeah, you know, uh, variety is the spice of life. Right. And especially with 
you know, in this country where we have all kinds of varieties and all kinds of cuisines, like why, uh, you know, just settle down on one thing all the time. So, um, but oh, that sounds awesome. Good. You, you survived that ordeal. Uh, good. You have that memory of just not eating or, you know, eating and drinking, uh, five shakes uh, and kind of like one sitting there. So, but oh, to be young and that ambitious uh, when it comes to whatever you consume there. So. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's a good time to give a plug for the store. Uh, again, Hardigan's Ice Cream Shop in Evanston. Um, they get their ice cream from Wisconsin. It's Cedar Crest uh, brand. So you may have seen it on shelves regionally um, if you're in the Midwest. But in general, really good ice cream, really good stuff, a good homey vibe. And uh, man, you might run into a, a family member or family friend of mine uh, if you go in there. So uh, yeah. Uh, don't have any, don't have any, uh, URL codes for any, uh, discounts or anything <laughs> like that, but, uh, if you say my name, maybe somebody will remember me, but, uh, so, yeah, man, so. in any case, uh, yeah. So I actually shared a picture with Wayne, uh, over the you know, middle of the week as I was in St. Louis for work. Uh, it's pretty rare that I do a lot of work travel, especially since the pandemic. So it was like one of my first times like leaving DC for any sort of work, you know, work related trip or event or anything like that. But, uh, we went to St. Louis for a quick, you know, trip. It was two days, uh, end to end. Um, and my last day I had a good amount of free time until I, you know, flew back at night. So I went downtown in St. Louis, uh, haven't been to St. Louis and man, maybe like five or so years. It's just been a while. And there's, there's not always a reason why I'd be out in St. Louis other than to just pop in and see what's going on in the city. So, with such limited time, I didn't even know what I wanted to do, you know, to start it all off. So I just first started with the barbecue because I figured I, I know I've been, you know, been to St. Louis once and had a uh, Pappy's smokehouse and seriously, some of the best barbecue I can ever remember. They came out with like a big steel tray that was probably like five pounds worth of meats and sides and all the stuff. And like, was able to just kind of share that with you know, some family members. And that was just a really memorable barbecue experience for me. So, um, this other place called salt and smoke, um, was really high up in the, you know, the ratings for barbecue in St. Louis. So I definitely put it on my map and I was like, I'm definitely going to go there. Uh, I found out they had a few locations and one of them was actually right next door to Bush stadium. Um, you know, I think like a lot of the stadium projects that are, you know, newly erected, um, maybe even stadiums that have been around for a while. I think there's just this new, you know, community and economic development twist to it where, you know, there's a ton of new restaurants, new bars, new shops, uh, you know, high rise, uh, apartment buildings, like being constructed all around the stadium to kind of make it like its own little neighborhood. I mean, you've obviously seen what's been going on in Chicago with Wrigley, but St. Louis is really, you know, built up around their park too. And it, it was different than the last time I actually went to a game uh, in St. Louis it was, again, it was probably like, man, at this point, maybe like 10 years ago or something, you know? So um, in any case, I was able to get barbecue and also do a St. Louis Cardinals uh, Hall of Fame museum tour, which was like right next door to the barbecue place. And uh, the tour was awesome. I'll say that, you know, as a side note is just the amount of memorabilia they had in there. They had the first world series trophy, um, period in there that the St. Louis Cardinals won in like the, I believe it was the the sixties or so. And then they had a couple other, uh, championship trophies in their case, a ton of signed jerseys. They had a Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, uh, 
you know, case as well. Uh, it's pretty controversial out there too, even, but, uh, and then another cool thing was they let me hold, um, you know, the bats of former players like Stan Musial, um, Lou Brock, um, they had Nolan Arenado bat, Paul Goldschmidt. So it was just kind of cool to like see the size and weight of these bats, Ozzie Smith. And then they let me touch a couple of their uh, championship rings from the 2000s. And they kind of like had two sample models that the jeweler made them. So I was just kind of like got to hold them, try them on stuff. Like they're pretty heavy and had a ton of diamonds and stuff. They were really cool. But um, I digress uh, back to salt and smoke. I got two meats and then a two sides and a like cheddar bacon popover. But this the, the meats I chose were brisket and their renowned chicken wings. And then... I got two uh, vegetable sides because I just need something to like break it up. And they were like both covered with, you know, vinaigrette. So it was a coleslaw and green beans and tomato salad. Um, what I'll say, man, is like you love barbecue, Wayne. And man, I was I was a little bit disappointed. I'll be honest with you. I was a little bit disappointed. Um, when the brisket came out, there was only four cubes of brisket. Um, they weren't necessarily hot. They were kind of room temp and one was like a little bit more chewy than I would have like probably liked. Um, the others tasted good. They were like fatty enough and they fell apart enough. Um, you know, really good, you know, exterior to them as well. Um, texture wise, but it was just like, I don't know. I was like, man, we're at a barbecue place. Like you got to stack that shit high. Like, I don't even, I mean, you gotta, you gotta make that like front and center, like the biggest thing on the plate. And it was barely, it was barely like peeking out of the plate when it came over to me. Like the two sides were like hiding, you know, basically that part of the meat. Um, I will say the wings were good too. Um, I mean, they were actually really great wings. They're really meaty, great sauce, good, good crisp to them. Um, you know, they had all sorts of barbecue sauces and dips you could do, you know, most of your stuff with, but I, but I truly filled up on the sides and the, the, like the cheddar popover, the cheddar bacon popover. I'm like, I've never been to a barbecue spot where the sides were the things that were like the most filling of everything mm -hmm. on the meal. And the meats were more or less like an accessory. So like, I don't know, man, the thing is not bad taste, but like, I wouldn't recommend it to somebody. Like I wouldn't recommend it. If you're going to St. Louis, I'd tell you a hundred times out of a hundred to go to Pappy Smokehouse over salt and smoke. And like, it, to me, I think they have the ability to be on that same shelf. They just need to present, you know, their options a little bit more, you know, barbecue forward, you know, like make that plate really like make a statement, you know, when it comes out, it should be like piled high with those meats and, the, you know, cut down on the sides, like make those sides a little bit smaller. But like, I don't know, have you ever, have you ever felt that way? Have you ever like put a restaurant on a pedestal and just been like WTF, man? Yeah, uh, there was a Michelin-rated restaurant that actually kind of encountered that. Uh, uh, Graham Elliott, uh, the I guess I don't know what he's doing now, but yeah, he, he was in Chicago, had a restaurant called Graham Elliott. You know, was on TV a bunch of times. Uh, he had one uh, where he was, you know, with, with uh, Gordon Ramsay there. Overrated, like overrated as hell. Like I went there. Um, it was I think it was like a restaurant week type of thing there, and uh you know had had a three course meal uh you know food was like you know it was decent it was decent but like even for restaurant week prices right it's like i don't know it, i was underwhelmed i actually ate afterwards 
uh, I, I went I went to a sushi restaurant afterwards and then just uh, ordered like a full meal basically from the sushi restaurant, like, you know, three, three, four rolls. Right. And it's like, yeah, I why did I just spend all this money to go eat a three course meal there at this, you know, world renowned chef or whatever? Um, and then I just have to basically, you know, to fill up my stomach, go to a sushi restaurant and eat, you know, what I would normally eat basically whenever I would go to the sushi restaurant here because I was just. I was hungry. I was flat out hungry. And I mean, yeah, for me, it's like that was kind of the, one of the more disappointing ones because, yeah, you know, you hear all these accolades, all this hype from, you know, different, uh, obviously, you know, from Michelin, from, you know, different reporters and such. It's like, this isn't that good. Um, and then, yeah, uh, I, I, there was one, I guess, restaurant um, in Seattle. Uh, I don't know. For me, it was it was Musang actually. It was like a Filipino restaurant over there. Um, you know, it was it was okay, but like I don't know. For me, the it missed on the Filipino food side. Like I, I think they had like a banana ketchup or not a banana ketchup. It was supposed to be like traditionally, it's like banana ketchup spaghetti actually. But I think they used apple instead, and it it did not hit well. It did not hit well at all. Uh, you know, I mean, it was a little bit too sweet, uh, with regards to the, the sauce on the, on the spaghetti. So, uh, I think now it's off the menu, which I'm like, thank God. But I just remember that distinctly, like, this is terrible. I don't know who green with this. So, um, <laughs> I don't know. Things like that were just like, those are the two that stand out the most. I would say grandma, it just was so disappointing. Cause yeah, like he's, he's a celebrity chef and you know, all these things and he had, he just has that one restaurant too, I think. So it's like. Oh, like you have this one place dedicated where you can dedicate your craft, and it sucks or it's not doing that well and all. And now, now he's not there anymore. So I, don't, I honestly don't know what he's doing. I think, I think I heard he is like opening up steakhouses in Texas, which I'm like, okay, good luck with that. But you know, yeah, uh, yeah. And then just that one dish, I think over there, me saying just do not sit well. But you know, hey, uh, you know, definitely want to, I guess, support like that business there, and then. I'm sure Graham Elliott's doing fine if he has all these accolades and Gordon Ramsay backing him. But yeah, just those types of things just I kind of irk me. It's like, all right, if you're going to be like a quote unquote, you know, fine dining establishment, right? Like, you know, you you also got to fill up your your uh, uh, your patrons there. You got to make sure that it actually is going to be, you know, uh, filling and enjoyable there. Just not like these one off little taste here. there, like like little uh, I guess like you're going to go to. Uh, Costco, and then just get some samples, right? Like it's it's kind of what a lot of fine dining uh, kind of has been in a way, and now it's it sounds like fine dining, especially with all this inflation and everything, has kind of dwindled down. And that, now they're trying to be more accommodating, but yeah, you know, there was oftentimes those times where it's just man, just minimal food, you know, yeah, great tasting, but like you know, it, basically you're you're going to uh costco and just paying like 150 bucks basically for you know a meal and it's it just got outrageous like that so um yeah graham elliott major disappointment in terms of my experience there yeah and um you made a point about <clears throat> that being his only restaurant and i think one of the things that i'm starting to see is a lot of these trendy places that really do make a name for themselves in their first spot they're really starting to like franchise out around their cities and maybe they're going regional a little bit. Like, you know, nowadays I feel like you can find like Lou Malnati's in different States and different areas and stuff. Whereas like, I don't know for salt and smoke, like maybe they did do a killer job in their first restaurant. And as they've started to like slowly scale, like maybe their standards have dropped just a bit or, 
you know, maybe due to inflation, maybe they're like dropping portion sizes and things like that. So I'm just like, I don't know what they're up against, but, you know, I think they have the potential to be what, you know, the locals were saying they were in most of the reviews I read. But, you know, for me, I was just like, man, you just didn't come with it in that plate. And and one thing that was really surprising is when I ordered my food, it came within five minutes. So I was like, for sure, they cook this earlier. And when I took my first bite, I was like, damn, man, like you gave me like whatever you were sitting under the lamp or something like, come on, man, like come with it straight and you know, show me, show me like what your restaurant truly is about next time. If I ever go. Yeah. Put some soul into it. You know, it's like you, you see these restaurants, family owned restaurants <laughs> that have been there for like, you know, 30 plus years. Right. And man, like how, how, how do they stay around? They feed their people and then they, they don't sacrifice the quality. Right. I think that's, pretty much the staple there. It doesn't matter if it's like if you're catering to the higher echelon of society or whatever, or if you're just, you know, a mom and pop shop with that's uh family friendly and you know has babies crying and stuff like that. Like, yeah, you know, feed your uh provide good quality food, good experience and hearty and and that's a good way to I think just do business there. But yeah, to your point, I think that happens oftentimes. They try to scale fast, they try to just speed things up and it's like well, you know, when you speed things up, sometimes, sometimes, right, you, you get that quality loss, especially, I think, with good old fashioned barbecue, like that stuff's where it's, it needs to be kind of kind of coming off as fresh as possible, or yeah, just probably maintain the proper heat. And otherwise, yeah, the, the juices, the flavor just kind of all just dis- disappears there. So sorry, man, that sounds like a terrible experience there. But if you go to <laughs> Kansas City, you know, get some good old burn ends there, that that'll help, you know. I do like a good uh, Missouri barbecue for sure. So, yeah. And, uh, you know, not to pour any water on my trip. Like I actually had a good time in my two days, especially in my trip to St. Louis. Like that was a fun experience. And I would, I would recommend that folks like, especially if you're in the Midwest, like go drive out and check out St. Mm -hmm. Louis as an adult. Um, maybe you've had an occasion or two where you've gone there and I just feel like it's changing. And I feel like a lot of these Midwest cities are starting to like Mm -hmm. come around like they are developing downtown they're bringing in new restaurants like they're putting new things on the map so yeah go take a second look at that and don't just uh you know judge it for what you thought it was yeah no, there's a lot of that i i mean there's a you know a lot of i think you talked about milwaukee too and uh you know all, all around the midwest I, th- I know columbus is building up a lot more too like a lot more families are moving there it, it just seems like you know, with again this whole inflation and everything that's happening economically, I know a lot of people they've moved out from the coastal cities. It's like great, you make a hundred grand over there, uh, you know, out east or out west, and it's like, but housing is going to cost you know an arm and a leg. Whereas, hey, you move in the Midwest and your company is able to you know accommodate you, be able to work remotely, and, and you maybe want to have a family and have like a an actual house, not like a two bedroom condo or one bedroom condo out there. It's like, yeah, you want to live a little bit and enjoy life. And I think as, you know, people get older and such, it's like, yeah, you can't just be, you know, uh, I mean, I don't want to say hiking all the time. I, I still want to hike and I love hiking, but yeah, you can't just always be out and kind of just doing your thing there. But maybe you do want to settle down, you know, go to Costco on the weekends, go to Home Depot, like, you know, uh, yeah, slow down a little bit. I think that's strong is where having that Midwestern lifestyle is nice and, you know, uh, I think the people too of the Midwest unmatched, I think, uh, from other coastal sides. So yeah, definitely love a good old fashioned Midwestern hospitality for sure. And 
Yeah, that's one back here in a way. So, yeah, and throw Detroit on that work too. Mm-hmm. There's another spot that you know, as as kids, teens, young adults, like got nothing but <laughs> shit on from people our age. But yeah. man, again, like another city where I got a second look, and I'm like, hey, like this place is coming back, and they've got a lot of stuff to talk about now too. Yeah, I think as an adult, you appreciate these things a little bit more, right? Like in the Midwest, it's like, oh, like clean streets, like great. Like maybe I don't want to live in New York, right? (laughs) You know, so why is there garbage on the ground? Like how much are we paying in rent? Like these are like, you know, more of the adult things. And then, yeah, you go to the Midwest, like, wow, we got clean streets. Wow, people say nice, like, you know, uh, please and thank you and all. (laughs) Like sometimes those those things uh, go a long way, I think. Uh, Yeah, maybe there isn't, uh, you know, the most uh, glamorous of things all the time compared to, you know, again, the coastal regions, but yeah, it's nice to just have some simple things to, uh, you know, not, not stress you out too much. I feel like. For sure. Um, and I guess we can end on that note um, in general. So yeah, folks go check out the Midwest. Um, you can definitely watch a lot of NFL football around there. They will be <laughs> happy to have you with beers, sausages, burgers pizza you name it um hopefully you get some of that this weekend with week 11 again if you're still with us subscribe like uh, comment download you know the sharps app uh, go buy some titan nutrition products if you're working out and uh you know we'll catch you next time here on the ball and breakfast podcast